EscapingTheCave.com. Also on Facebook and at ETC Pod on Twitter. Escaping the cave. And I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. Zilla X Pod. Zilla X Pod. Howdy, Tonzilla Files, and welcome to the Escaping the Cave podcast on the ChristopherMedia.net network, also on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and uh, Stitcher. And one day, one day soon, I hope, iHeartRadio. Yeah, I'm kind of a big deal now. <laughs> well, today we're going to continue the theme. I had Chris and Rich from the Unregimented podcast, also Chris of ChristopherMedia.net. It's his network. A couple of guys that I uh, did a podcast with last year have set in with them a number of times over the last few years. Well, we uh, had a pretty long and expansive uh, conversation uh, Tuesday and decided to break this up into uh, a few more digestible podcasts. I wouldn't call them bite size, considering the material, <laughs> but they're smaller. Continuing down the uh, social media disease line and theme, getting back into the... Uh, physical changes that not only social media but internet use in general can have on human beings based a lot on uh, the ideas of Nicholas Carr and his book The Shallows that came out uh, several years ago. So I'm going to rewind things a little bit and sort of refresh your memory on where we let off and go from there. Hope you enjoy it. Boy, I'm tempted to really jump into this because uh, that that applies to it, it's horizontal thinking as opposed to vertical thinking, right? And it, it applies to how we use the internet. How often do you go online, open your browser, and have 15 tabs open up, and you're clicking, 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 going from one to one to one to one to one, instead of sticking on one and finishing what is actually on that page? If I'm on Pornhub, 15 is a minimum. Well, yeah. that, that's a little different. <laughs> See, well, I, figure, I, mean, but... I figure you got to have a tab per finger, right? And I <laughs> definitely require 10. I'm just saying, ladies. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but no, that's that's the thing. And he, he gets into this because it, 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 it people think that it doesn't matter, that it's just being, you know, impatient or something. But it, it does something to your mind. It affects how you can pay attention. You are rewiring your fucking brain. You are rewiring your fucking brain. You are rewiring your fucking brain. So, yeah, we're talking about how the using the Internet sort of Effects like the neuroplasticity of the human mind. I mean, you adapt to things. You adapt in how you think. You adapt like habits. And it works really well for some things, but it also sort of sneaks up on you. And that's one of the things that he was talking about in that book is horizontal thinking versus vertical thinking. And while I was uh, filling up my coffee here, it occurred to me that I wonder if that sort of effect, sort of the physical effect that we were talking about earlier and how people interact with each other. If it's sort of like a, if it's a physical rewiring and how you socialize with other people, does that make sense? Yeah. I joke with the wife all the time that I'm gradually trying to phase out people. So now I get it. Like if you spend enough time on Twitter, enough time on Facebook, and enough time being enraged or seeing somebody as less than human because they have different beliefs than you or something down that line, is that one of those things that where your brain is seriously rewired to just think that way if it's not just behavior if it's if it's like a, a physical change in your being it would make sense you know if it's going to affect in how you think and your attention span why couldn't it affect your behavior as well Ooh, maybe it's more of an unwiring <laughs> yeah yeah actually and and that's a that's a really good point man nice job chris because this thin veneer of civilization the self-domestication process is new this, we haven't been doing this for the vast majority of our existence. I mean, the last, what, couple of thousand, three thousand years? We, yeah. Maybe maybe five that we've actually gathered into groups and learned how to socialize with each other, right? How long are we around before that? So how hard is it to unwire something that's been put together in an evolutionary half blink of an eye? Yeah, maybe that's it exactly. Maybe it is an unwiring of, of these tentative behavioral processes that we've accumulated over, you know, 5,000 years or whatever. How hard is that to do, especially if you're eager to do it? Based on this conversations we've been having, it sounds like not hard. It's disturbing. It's only taken a decade of social media. But I, I got to wonder if social media, instead of 
you know, for thousands of years, we evolved to the point of we communicate and deal with each other how we do now. It seems like with social media, evolution is taken out of it and replaced with we shame people into doing what we want them to do, to moving, moving forward, being progressive, you know, the call out and cancel culture. Yeah. You know, I'm going to call this person out. I'm going to cancel this person. And, you know, I, you saw it in 2016. I saw it, at least I did in 2016 constantly. You know, if you're going to vote for Hillary or you're going to vote for Trump, just remove yourself from my friends list. Really? I mean, you know, like I had one friend who went so far as to type into Facebook friends who, who follow Donald Trump posted all their names and he said, I'm putting you and tagged them in the post and I'm putting you on notice. Fucking called them you out. Have a, yeah. He said, you have a week to unfollow Trump or I will delete you from Facebook and block you. Hi, bitch. That'd have been my response. Yeah, fine too. And I, you know, I, I tried to have a, and this was via PMs, you know, a, a conversation with him going, do you understand that not everyone that's on your friends list is following Trump because they like Trump? Some people have podcasts. Some people, you know, like the want show. to see how, <laughs> yeah, how much, how, see how much of an idiot he actually is. You know, I mean, it's not like they're liking a page that says, you know, Donald Trump for God Emperor of planet Earth. You know, whatever what happened to the old knowing your enemy? You know, there's that routine out there, too. It's John Stewart. That's what, <laughs> Understand your enemy. That's what's so scary is I've watched in my lifetime the flip of it used to be right wingers who, you know, no, don't watch this movie. Don't read this book. You know, it'll, it'll put ideas in your head. And now it's like, it seems like it comes from the left more of, no, no, you don't watch this movie. Don't read this book. Don't think this way. Don't think this way. How can you dictate how someone thinks? Right. But, but it's, it's, that's the type of control that is wanted, it seems like. And I mean, if you can't even go on social media and post something that's a joke because you're afraid someone's going to flip out on you. Right. And I'm not talking like go on there and start dropping racial slurs and, you know, ethnic slurs and sexual orientation slurs. I'm talking just maybe a, a little risque joke and someone's going to come in and, you know, turn it into, you know, some crusade. Well, you could do better than that. I'm ashamed and you. I'm so disappointed. Shut the fuck up. I got parents. Right. <laughs> All right. I don't need another one. Thank you. Yeah. It's, but, like, it's like it's like calling your friend a fag. You can't do it anymore. Well, uh, in certain company uh, you can, but you, you, you've, you've got to, you, but you've got to think about the company you're in first, though, right? I mean, we used to drop that, and it had nothing to do with being a, being gay or anything else. It was just, it was one of those things that you called your friends when you were growing up. Shut up, fag. Yeah, or don't be gay. That's gay. Yes, yes. That's 2019. I'm sorry. I still use it. Yeah. Sue me. Don't care. Most people, maybe you aside, Chris, but will consider the company and who's going to hear it before they say it. They okay. self-edit themselves. I, yeah, I'm not going to walk down to Woodward and Ferndale and be like, wow, that's gay. No, it's, <laughs> yes, I am going to consider who I'm talking to, but I haven't, I haven't stricken the phrase from my vocabulary. That's the effect of it, though. I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I mean, you wouldn't call a gay guy a fag just out of simple courtesy. You wouldn't say that's gay in front of a gay guy just because, just in case they might think that you're homophobic and don't like gay people or something like that or just simply didn't want to be offended. Now, you have to do that with everybody if you're smart. If you're smart, you, do. you don't have to. But if you don't want to be jumped, sort of like you said, Rich, shamed about the choice of your words and what you're saying to heterose by heterosexual people because of the terminology you've used in certain company, you've got to be careful of that. And you, you're going to, most people, I think, maybe maybe the three of us, I know I do that. I don't know what you two do, but I think most people think about that before they say anything. It goes beyond just being polite. It goes beyond being considerate. It's moving into something else. Yeah, because I can tell you, I've noticed in, in, in the last few years at work, dude, I don't talk about shit at work, but work. I don't make any jokes. I don't make any off-color comments. I don't fucking, like, just because, yeah, welcome to our new tattletale society. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if you, you Chris, you've worked in food service, so you know what I'm about to explain, the situation I'm explaining. During a rush, if you have five people in the back, you have to coordinate, you have to, you know, 
behind you on your six, on your three, on your nine, whatever. You have to let people know where you're at. Coming through, I got a hot, you know, whatever. And sometimes someone's going to bump into you, and this actually this is a, this is an actual incident that happened. Someone was going to uh, uh, one of the girls that was that was working at one part went to go turn around, and she was going to bump into somebody else. And he literally just took his hand and like kind of guided her. And it was like, you know, so he didn't, she didn't bump into him. No one thought anything of it. Nothing was said at the time. The next day we come in, we have to have a company meeting about inappropriate touching and boundaries. And I said, wait a minute. So you rather she turned around with a pan she just pulled out of the oven and burned him instead of him just like guiding her to the side. And I mean, he didn't even, it was like in the middle of her back like up around her shoulder, well, actually upper back or around her shoulder blades. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And the, the answer I got was, these are the times we live in. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Noted. Next time I'm burning someone. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. I, that's, that's funny, but that's, that's it. Those are the times we live in. Burn, motherfucker. Unless you want some sort of disciplinary action or you want to be called into a meeting when you call come to work the next day. That's where we are. Everybody's bubble wrapped, but what's that? In, in that situation, what are you doing? Instead, of, you've got this person bubble wrapped, and this guy is standing there naked with a hot pan flying at him. Well, how how is that rational? It's absolutely not. And you know, me being the idiot I am, I tried to bring that up and was basically shouted down. And I was like, okay, so I, I, I basically, Chris, I took your I took your your view on it. I was like, so. I guess someone can get third degree burns and then, oh, well, tough titty, right? That, that's their problem. Oh, well. Well, at least at least she didn't have her shoulder blades molested. You know, I mean, I, I, I was raised to where if I'm going to do something that's going to get myself hurt or even, even better than that, if I'm walking around with a booger hanging out of my nose, tell me. Worry about my feelings later. You know, I'm going to feel like an ass if I've been walking around for an hour with this, you know, booger hanging out my nose and no one said something. You know, like, don't let, like, but that's considered rude. And I think it goes back to this whole, you know, oh, we're so sensitive and, and, and we don't want to offend anybody. And, you know, you, you touched on it, like people being offended on behalf of other people in a group that they're not a part of. What do you, what do you, what are you getting offended by? It always, well, I have a friend's cousin's brother's uncle's roommate who, okay, shut the fuck up. I, I don't care. I don't. Care. It's simple virtue right? signaling. It's not uh, you're not offended by anything. You want to seem offended. You want to be seen as being offended by this. So everybody knows just how awesome you are, how virtuous and principled you are. That's what that boils down to. It doesn't have anything to do with protecting your brother's sister's cousin's uncle's cat. It has exactly. to do with everybody knowing just how awesome it evolved. You personally are. It goes back to the same thing. Like when I was talking earlier about giving a homeless guy money and then taking a selfie of yourself doing it. It's the same <laughs> thing. Look at me. Doing my part to keep the world, yeah, to make the world better. Here's a buck, homeless guy. Exactly. Smile for the camera. He, he's got his thumbs up. <laughs> and as she told him, As long as he don't give the okay single yeah. sign, we're good. And she, you know damn well she told him, make sure you give him the thumbs up. We'll take a selfie. Put your thumb up. Here we go. Click. Awesome. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because there was an incident where a couple started a GoFundMe to supposedly raise money to help a homeless guy. It was a scam. Yeah, it, it, it was a complete scam. And it was like, didn't the fact that they were like flying the, you know, putting the virtue signal out, like it's the bat signal, like <laughs> set off some alarms in some people's minds. And apparently it didn't because once again, so many people think that's, uh, that's, that's how it should be done. Yeah, And I'm just, I, I just shake my head and go, I, I get I, I keep saying this more and more, but it really is true. Like I never thought that at 40, like that's the, you become irrelevant. Everything that every thought you have, every, everything you, you say, it does not matter because well, everything that's sacred comes from youth. It's <laughs> like we worship, we worship youth. And it's like, I, I, you know, not only just like worship the beauty of youth, but now it's like we put them on a pedestal. Oh, well, you know, these high school kids, are going to go out and protest about something. Okay, great, wonderful, but what life experience do they have? What do they know about the real world? 
They they don't. They go to a private fucking school. I, I said it on Unregimented a few years ago, and I'm still waiting for my answer. When did we let 19-year-olds start calling the shots? Because when I was 19, that was not how it went. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Go get a job, fucker. Live your life where you... If you want to say something, go live. Go do something before you presume to speak. That was what... That, that was the impression yeah. I got anyway. Leave this to people who actually know something that have been in the world for a little while. That have you want to tell people how to yeah. raise kids? Go have some fucking kids, fucker. Talking to a coworker the other day, and she's like, she's. I would say she's very much on the progressive end of the political spectrum, and she's like twenty five, twenty six, and she goes, you know, I was at my nephew's birthday party, and the, you know, the kid's mother walks up and goes to a five year old kid, "Do you want to go open your presents now?" Is that okay? Can we go inside now? And I'm like, what? You know how birthday parties went when I was a kid? The adults went in one room, got drunk. <laughs> we, were in the other, we, were in, we were in the room with the, with the presents yeah. and the cake, and it's don't destroy anything or else you get your ass with. Yeah, what kind of having a kid's party. What yeah. kid are you raising? Yeah. You got to ask them to open presents. That, that's a foregone conclusion when I was a kid. Fuck yeah, I want to open the presents. But it was. it's not the fact that, like, it's just like, why are you giving... A five-year-old dictate the itinerary of a party, and it's like, well, we, we want them to feel included or, you know, whatever. Okay, I understand that. But yes, exactly, exactly. To say something like that is seen as like, oh, that's horrible. What kind of horrible human being are you? And it's just like, no, it's common sense. Would you let a four-year-old set their own bedtime? That kid's staying up there. all night. I, well, apparently. We're letting nine-year-olds decide that they want to start taking hormones to transition. Oh, Jesus. I've gotten to the point where I was like, I'm like this when it comes to that. Fine, whatever. Want to fuck your kid up? I guess it's just like not vaccinating them or telling them that the earth is flat or whatever the fuck. You, you can't control what, how other, what other people let their children do until it becomes a crime, I guess. Yeah. And it's, and it's not a crime, so you just go, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. At some point, man, that that to me, if you're letting a nine-year-old take estrogen or testosterone because it says the little gender voice in it in its head, telling it it's it's a boy or a girl when it's not, at some point, I don't I don't think I want to walk down this road. That's not responsible parenting. Usually, I think that no, shit is that shit is taken through an ideological filter. You know. Well, let me. Let me ask you a question. If there was a five-year-old child walking around talking about, I wish my mother had aborted me, I want to die, would you think that that five-year-old truly understands what it's saying? No. Or has my first question would be, something who told you hurt? to say that? Exactly. Or what did, you, what, did you, what did you hear that makes you think that? Exactly. Maybe somebody didn't you're tell five, you something. did not come up with that. But yeah, if you're, if you're a raging fucking feminist who married an emasculated man with a functioning penis... And who thinks that every single human being in the world, especially every white male human being in the world, is a piece of shit who's oppressing everybody. And you happen to be a white boy, eight or nine years old. How does that maybe, if you're looking for mommy's approval and you're looking for a way to feel good about yourself, I'm just asking, maybe that has something to do with your fucking self-image. Maybe the little gender voice in your fucking head isn't yours. Maybe it's mommy's. And if you're giving your kid fucking testosterone treatments or estrogen treatments or starting their transition around 12 or 13 years old, there's something fucking one, wrong with that. It was one of you two. I'm not sure if it was you, Todd, or Rich. One of you had know somebody has a kid that's transitioning, and magically, all of a sudden, the second kid wanted to transition, too. And there was an article I shared with you guys about a family in uh, San Francisco. I know, shocking. Mm -hmm. but yeah, right. Yes, yes. The... the Eight-year-old boy was saying that he is want to transition to, to female, so be a trans female. And the his four-year-old sister then said she wants she's a, she wants to become a trans male. And I was like, okay, you don't see the connection here. And I mean, every picture in the article, the mother is just glowing, and the father sitting there with the you know thousand-yard stare, like a Vietnam vet. It's a fucking prop. It's just, an ideological prop that you can that you can hold up to show everybody again virtue signal how awesome and evolved your family is. Look what I raised. It's something that wants to be some. <sighs> I should have started. You know, it's like it's, 
Well, no, it, you know, it, ultimately it's, you know, if, if I went up to my mom at five and, and said, mom, I feel like I'm Wolverine. So I need to get some adamantium grafted to my bones and some, and some claws installed in my, in my, in my hands. She'd look at me and go, what are you retarded? Did I, did I drink one when you, I was pregnant with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. At my house, the answer would have been, Ed, when you're 18, you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly, exactly right. Until you get I don't know what adamantium my... is, but sure, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> While you're under my roof, you're going to do what I say. You want to you put an, 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 get an, 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 an what, what the fuck is it? I can't say it. Anamantium? Anamantium. Anamantium. Anamantium up your you know, go get an enema. Fine. You're going to do it on your own. You can go get an apartment, go get a job, get the fuck out of my house. You can do what the hell you want. Till then, though, now. Todd, how long until that behavior becomes oppressive? The telling the child to do what I say starts becoming oppressive behavior. I don't It's already there. Me, when we started, we started these podcasts five years ago. I'd say that sounds super far-fetched. Now? That could probably start happening next year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's going to be, there's an element in society right now, I think. I don't know any of them personally. I don't know anybody personally anymore. But uh, I think there's an element in society right now that if you went and told your teacher that mommy says I can't do this until I'm out of the house, somebody in this fucking country is going to report you to protective services claiming some sort of emotional abuse. We're already there. Somewhere, Chris, somebody is already there. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Glad I I I, I tell yeah. you I, I I gotta tell you I the best fucking decision I ever made was not breeding. Because uh, I was just about to say, probably the same as mine now having kids. I, I I tell you I would I'd hurt a motherfucker. I I swear to God I'd hurt a teacher I'd hurt another parent something it, raising a kid now. <laughs> I'd have to homeschool the little bastard. <laughs> well, how many how many decades ago was it we heard? I think it's about been about twenty five years, give or take a year or two now. That it takes a village, and like that was kind of like chuckled at, like ha ha ha. Okay, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Now, I don't want to go back to the days when the neighbors could whoop your ass and the, your parents would be like, "Well, you probably deserved it," because there's some fucked up people out there that just want to beat on kids. That's just that's all there is to it. I mean. It, Sometimes they deserve it. It goes back to not. I don't want to interrupt you, but it goes back to to common sense. Like sometimes, if your kid's picking a fight with somebody, you're being an asshole, and he gets his ass beat. Great. You know what? Probably learned a lesson. Maybe he won't do it again. And sometimes there are people who are just just mean, and the kid didn't have it. But you use your common sense, evaluate a situation based on its specifics, rather than just defaulting to a certain ideological perspective or standpoint or dogma. That every situation is this, or every situation is this. What I think is hilarious is a lot of people who do that behavior mock religion. And that is exactly carbon-copied behavior from religion. You have just given me the transition I wanted, because that's exactly right. And a lot, a lot, what, you, what we're talking about, if you listen to this, is collectivization. It's creating cookie-cutter people, cookie-cutter outlooks, cookie-cutter individuals who all act and behave the same way. That's collectivization. I did that for 18 years. It's called being a Catholic. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 a form of uh, <laughs> I go back, and I'm thinking I, I'm thinking of like Orwell, totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and you know, thinking of Animal Farm. It's do what we say. Trust us. Don't question it. Just know that what we say is the word. It demands complete surrender of your personal autonomy, yeah. your per, your personal thoughts. I, I just had this discussion with a, with a female friend of mine literally last night. We were talking about the abortion issue, and she's like, it's, you know, as a woman, men are trying to control my body. And I'm like, see, oh, no. I understand you feel that way. To me, it's your body. You should be able to do with it what you want. The only thing you really truly own in this world is your body. If you want to fucking jump off a building, jump off a fucking building. If you want to work out. 10 hours a day, work out 10 hours a day. It's your body. As long as you are not harming somebody else, you should not be told what you're doing. And she was like, she goes, well, so you're pro-choice, but you're pro-choice for the wrong reasons. You need to, you need to, you need to, to check how you're thinking. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Conversation would be done at that point. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. it was, it was. Yeah. 
It was. Check how you're thinking. Do you did I, I I just I have to ask, do you do you listen to the words coming out of your mouth? I need to check how I'm thinking. But there's because, nothing authoritarian about this at all, right? No. And see that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I was agreeing with her, but I wasn't agreeing with her reasons why. I wasn't agreeing with her enough. I, I hadn't surrendered right. my own way of looking at the issue. I mean, that's like when I hear people people go, we have to smash the patriarchy. Okay, well, if there's one thing I've learned in this world, if you're going to take something away, you better replace it with something else. And it's funny, I never hear egalitarianism talked about as what's going to replace the patriarchy. I hear, it's woman's, it's women's turn. Yeah. Oh, really? Really? Because you're going to tell me these that, that women are just going to just magically come into power and we're going to have peace and you know everybody's going to be Doctor Doolittle and talking to the birds and shit. That that women can't be just as violent and disgusting as men when they're in power and get corrupted by that power. Really? Have you picked up a fucking history book in your life? You say that and you, you hate women. Okay. Yeah, well, the conversation's over. The yeah. Yeah. See, and that's that's another thing. That's another thing I've had to explain to some people. People think they win a lot of debates with me, and that's fine. I don't care because I do this. Okay, all right, you're right. Whatever. That just means either you're too dumb, willfully ignorant, or lack the ability to have a conversation with. I'm not wasting my time and my breath. Well, if you choose to put that as a win in your in in the, and chalk that up as a, as a as in the win category. Good for you. This is one of those things that's crept off of uh, like social media too, because when when you're online and you're having an exchange with somebody and it moves into that realm and you're like, okay, fuck this. The, always the standard reply is, well, you what? You can't debate with me. I guess I won that kind of thing. And and, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they they take this stance that you've been owned. When actually, no, you haven't been owned. You just rolled your eyes and walked the fuck away from this Neanderthal standing before you on your computer screen or in real life. There is no point in discussing anything with you. It's like discussing Santa Claus with a toddler. Yes, he does too, Dad. He comes down my chimney and bring me presents. He does too. Mommy AOC said so. At I that, put cookies out. They're gone. Who yeah. ate them? You can't prove he didn't come down the chimney. Fuck you, you child. What's really irritating is if you're the type of person who questions everything, including your own stance on something, like you, you, you try to be as vigilant as possible about that, you know, as as you can be. Yeah. And you're dealing with someone who, because, okay, like case in point, let's say someone says, just to throw a subject out there, uh, auto driving cars are going to be better because there'll be less accidents. And you still really start talking to them and go, okay, why do you believe that? Well, because I w- I want an auto driving car. Okay, so because you want it to be true, you declare it to be true, and then that's the end of the discussion for you. Right. You don't want to take it. You don't want to discuss the finer points. You don't want to get into the nuance and the minutia of the situation because you might be proven wrong. Right. Well, that's height. That's the elephant, the rider thing. You can't have an emotive conclusion that you've drawn just instantaneously. You believe this without thinking it through, and everything you think you're thinking through is just basically a rationalization to justify the emotive thought or the emotive conclusion or judgment. You're not thinking. You're rationalizing. You're 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 playing the role of of a retained attorney arguing a point of view. You're a litigator, a rhetorician. That's all. You know, and one of, one of the things that I that I I used to really value was finding someone who I might not agree with completely on on certain issues, but I could have a discussion, and they would not attack me. You know, like like well. You are this type of person, so that's why you think this way. You know, which is a, which is a passive aggressive way of attacking you, without coming out and saying you're an asshole. Right. Instead, they would debate the opinion I had, and I've said to people, you know, I've never looked at it from that point of view. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to change my thinking on it, but it gives me a new perspective on something, and I've never sat down and looked at something from that angle. Right. I mean, I can look at an object straight on and see one thing. But if I turn it around, I might see something else. If I walk around it, if I turn it over, I'll see something different. It's hard to find people like that because people don't want to, people, they claim they want to enlighten each other, but it's really just what you said. It's about, I owned you. Right. I got you to tap out. 
Right. And, Life isn't an MMA match. Yeah. And to take it back to what I was saying about the mind, I mean, if you're if you're having these conversations, these interactions with people online all the time, where you're coming from a perspective, well, this Trump person thinks this way, he's a bad person, he's a, he's an indecent human being, or vice versa about a liberal. And all you're doing is engaging in this elephant stampede where they're running at each other and bumping heads or bumping horns or whatever, and you're not really getting to the crux of the conversation, to the crux of the factual crux of exchanging information, ideas, perspectives, however you want to look at it. After you do that for a certain amount of time, it becomes second nature. That becomes who you are, even if you're a thoughtful human being, even if you can take an objective external truth and examine it from all sides, even if you're capable of that, you'll never get back there. If your mind is just ingrained in this habit of prejudging someone else and only defending your emotive judgment, the the initial position from where you came from, and then attach moral certitude to it, moral righteousness, that you're on the side of God, metaphorically speaking. Why would you ever question anything if you if you are just so certain of your righteousness? Again, Chris, it comes back to that religion thing. God is on my side. I mean, some of the worst things ever perpetrated by human beings have been perpetrated by people who think with that sense of moral certitude that they can't be wrong because they are on the side of righteousness. You know, there was there's a... Uh... It's an older movie. I think it came out in the 50s, maybe early 60s, called The Longest Day. It's about D-Day. Yeah. One of the things about this movie that blew my mind when I watched it, when it, like, I think I saw it when I was like 14, 15 for the first time, is that it shows the Axis and the Allies behind the scenes. And at certain points in the movie, when things start to go wrong for both sides, someone turns to another person and goes, the way this war is going, I'm wondering whose side God really is on. And it's like, holy shit, how many times do you see something? Like, you, you don't see that anymore. You don't see people question if they're coming from a righteous place. And if they're, if they're, if they're doing something because it's truly right, they're just going, well, this is what my group has accepted as fact. The ever, we all love this, this phrase, this is our truth. So that must mean we're right. The one side, the righteousness comes from religion. The other side, the righteousness comes from within, which I am still trying to understand. No, no, no. It's Who not, made you the arbiter? No, it doesn't come from within. Sorry to contradict you there, but if you're talking about ideology, is that what you're talking about? For the right, the, all the, the, the shit seems to come from religion, whereas the left, it, the, the righteousness comes from the people, which... Again, I don't. Who made them the arbiters of right and right? It, the doctrine. At least, both. at least the right, I can understand it. There's a book written by an invisible man that has the rules in it. The left, I don't get it. There's a book. <laughs> it's metaphorical, though. It's a doctrine. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's written down a little black book and you can read it, or if it's just preached constantly via different channels of propaganda. It doesn't matter. The idea is the same acceptable thinking, acceptable behavior. It's the same exact thing. It's just coming from different places. It's the same and thinking. If you ever want to piss off a person on either side who are basically just flip sides of the same ideological coin, just tell them horseshoe theory and watch them go nuts. It's like pissing on an anthill. They go nuts. They can't stand to be compared to the people they hate, even though they act exactly like the people they hate. They can't see it. That's, that's one of the tenets of propaganda that runs through every single piece of uh, study that, I, that I've read is that people cannot see it in themselves. They simply cannot. I mean, I don't know if it's physical. I don't know if it's psychological, whatever it is, but people will not see their own behavior, even if it mirrors exactly what they hate. I mean, it's like if you take somebody who's like addicted to Rachel Meadow and you put her in front of Sean Hannity, She's going to see his bullshit like that, right? But you put her down in front of Meadow or somebody on the left. Yeah, that's just truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But you do the same thing with somebody who's a conservative. You put her, put him in front of Meadow, and he's going to see right through the bullshit. It'll scream at him. He'll be offended by it because it's such concocted crap. But it's the same damn thing you're getting from, from Hannity. It's just got different words in it. It's the same idea, but people refuse to see it. 
you know, one of the things I brought up to a buddy of mine, we were, we were talking, I said, you know, he's one of these people who anybody who is a Trump supporter, anybody who's on the right, even, 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 uh, uh, you know, what would be called classical liberals or, you know, libertarians. He goes, uh, libertarians are just Nazis who don't have the balls to admit they're Nazis. And the rest of the people on the right are just all Nazis. And I'm like, okay, do you understand? You sound exactly like Senator McCarthy about the commies. You, yeah. You, it is, it is, instead of the red scare, it's the Nazi scare. You take a shit and you think a Nazi is going to crawl out of your ass. There aren't that fucking many Nazis. Let me tell you that. Charlie LaDuff, who is here in Detroit, is well, he, he's also a national journalist, but he, he started here in Detroit. He actually went to Charlottesville and did a physical head count that the second Unite the Right march, not the first one where all the hell broke loose, the second one. Yeah. And, you know, it was reported there was hundreds of white nationalists and Nazis. And he's like, I counted 35, maybe 40 people. And there were literally a couple thousand counter protesters. But the way it was reported, it was like an army of Nazis right. marched on Charlottesville. Right. He goes, it is absolute bullshit. And because he says things like that and because he doesn't, he doesn't suckle at the teeth of any one political ideology, he is an outcast. Yeah, he's been exiled from media. Yes, to both sides. Split roasted. And yeah. I, I used to say this, and I used to say it jokingly. Now I'm starting to think I, I shouldn't be joking about it, and I shouldn't have been all these years. If I'm pissing off the left and the right, I'm doing something right. It's like it's like Tyrion said in, in the last Game of Thrones episode. Well, nobody's happy, so I guess we came to a good compromise. <laughs> that was a great line. It's not an original it, one either. I mean, I've heard that that said in politics. I, I there's, I think even the, I, I want to say it's in profiles and courage, but I may be wrong about that. But that's always a thing. Nobody's happy. It's a good compromise. Exactly. If if someone if one side is one hundred percent skipping down the yellow brick road happy, then somebody just got fucked on the other side. Yeah. And I mean that's the problem. It, not everyone who is on the left is Antifa. Not everyone who's on the right are Nazis. But, you know, I know the media gives us what we want because, hey, if it'll if it'll make us money, we're going to put it out there in front of you. And this is obviously what people want. And it's a very scary thing because, like you said, objective truth gets lost in the in, in, the, in the shuffle. Doesn't sell. I laugh my ass off when people who refuse to consider nuance and intent when someone says something worse yet, they they assign well, what they really meant to say <laughs> is this, right. but they're too scared to say it. So it's dog whistle, whatever. When you bring that up and, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But when you say something, if I apply the same standards to you, you get mad and say, I said what I said. Right. Don't try to put words in my mouth. All of a sudden intent and nuance is out the window because you don't want to go deeper into it really comes. I think what it really comes down to is people are afraid to look deeper into what they believe, because if they find it's bullshit, they're going to be rudderless well, and scared shitless. No, 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 no. You're, you're right about that. But I think I don't think it's really an examination of what they believe is that they don't know what they believe. They're just regurgitating something, as I said earlier, that's been ejaculated into their skull. And if you have to think about something, you have to, you really are challenged on something. And height goes into this too. When, did I ever tell you the, the example he gave in the book? I'll give you a quick example because, and, and let's bookmark me real quick because I want to come back to exactly what you just said. But in the book, he gives this scenario. So like this brother and sister are vacationing in France. Okay. And they decide they want to fuck. Right. But nobody can, nobody can ever find out about it. No diseases involved. There's no way, any way in, in hell that the, the woman can get pregnant. Nobody's being coerced. It's something they both want to do. No repercussions, nothing. Is it wrong that they fuck? And most people are going to be like, <laughs> right? Until they, they, they start to be questioned. Why can't they? Somebody will offer up one excuse. You'll say, they'll say, well, she, what if there's a disease? Well, no, we already said that she can't get a disease. She can't get pregnant. Well, there might be psychological. No, they're, they're both cool with this. They both understand what's going on. They're never going to do it again. They just want to do it once. On and on and on and on and on. All the, these excuses for justifying the reaction 
emotive judgment will keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. As long as they're refuted, you're going you're gonna to keep getting these things over and over and over again. They won't change the judgment. They'll just keep spitting these ex- excuses out until they get to a point where they're, they're intellectually dumbfounded and bewildered. They don't know why they believe something. They just do, right? And then they just dig the fucking, well, I just believe this way. They won't change their damn mind. And I think what you're talking about is that people are afraid to really examine what it is they believe and their ideas and their opinions because the opinions are thoughtless. They've been ejaculated into your skull half the time because of your ideology or your beliefs or something, I don't know, something you've read. It's is it really, you like liberals, you like li- the liberal idea or conservative ideas, so you just adopt them all without thinking. And when you're challenged on those things, when you're challenged to really explain why you believe a certain way, you can't because you never thought about it. Your opinions are literally fucking thoughtless. So of course you're gonna get you're you're gonna you're gonna cringe when somebody challenges you on these things and really wants you to explain why you believe that this brother and sister metaphorically shouldn't fuck. Absolutely. I mean, I the, the growing up, I was always told homosexuality is an abomination to God. It's unnatural, even if you even if you take God out of the equation, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's how I viewed it. And gee, life experience and meeting people who were gay. And the one thing, the final nail in the coffin of me feeling that way that I was raised to feel was I was really good friends and close with a guy who was gay. And we started and I started talking about, you know, when did you know you were gay? And he's like, pretty much I had always been attracted to guys. And when I was 14, 13, 15, around that age, he goes, I used to pray to a God I didn't believe in that I wouldn't be gay anymore because everyone around me was like, oh, that's disgusting. And, you know, fags are disgusting and this and that. And he, he hadn't come out. He hadn't told anyone how he felt. And it's when it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's not a choice. He didn't wake up and go, well, I want to fall in love with a man's hairy ass today. So that's what I'm going to do. No, hearing that was like, Boom. I was like, I'm just regurgitating, like you said, just puking up the shit that was shoved in my head when I was young. Yeah. And there's, I had no, I had nothing behind it. There was, there was nothing of substance behind it. It's just, this is what I was told. This is what I was told how I should feel. So I feel this way. But then when I, like I said, when I dealt with a re, when the real world came and smacked me in the face, I started going, well, I feel differently and I have substance behind it. I can point to things and say, this is why I feel that way. And it's not because someone told me I should. Right. Or, be, you know, that's, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of back, you know, looping back around here, but that is a scary thing for a lot of people. And I, I guess I'm slow on the uptake on this one. I'm just starting to realize that, you know, it oh. took 42 years, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it terrifies people. You know, what if everything I've been taught is bullshit and there's a different way of looking at things that is not only different, but better. It's intimidating because you have to, where does, where does that stop then? Once you allow that, that, oh, shit, I was wrong. Well, what else was I wrong? How deep is this going to go? Oh. And the, the irony is usually the people who resist it the most love being right at all costs, but they'll fight to hold on to their wrong-headed thoughts because they can't see past their nose. If I admit I'm wrong now, then I've lost. Yeah. Instead of looking at it like, wait a minute, I've been on the wrong side the whole time. Or I've been looking at this issue from a fucked up angle for a whole time. Why don't I look at it from this angle and it'll, it'll give me a little bit, a, a, a better perspective of it. You can do and that. And guess what? Then you'll be on the side of right. You can do that individually. You know, you can do that. I mean, that's, that's real. I, I don't know if it's real easy, but it's a hell of a lot easier to do that in private. It's only your belief, Right. And to alter that belief based on new information when nobody else knows you were wrong about it. But once you proclaim your belief system or your righteousness, it's almost impossible. Think about that. Think about the vulnerability. Think about how open you are if you've been out public about these beliefs or these ideas or your ideological or literal religion. And then you start to question it. Not only do you, you're going to alienate your fr- the, 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 the tribe that you've been in for however long, but you're also going to be left open to a vulnerability from the other people. 
Ha ha, told you so. Who the fuck wants to go through that? Except me. But I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any fucking friends anyway, so fuck it. Well, so you're describing what I did at 18. Say your entire family's Catholic. And you decide, hey, I don't want to do this anymore because I think it's a crock of shit. Well, when you're 18, it's yeah. easier because you don't know any better. I, I would think it would be easier at 18 because you're kind of rebellious, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it's still, but, I, but, I, I can't imagine it would be an easy thing to do. No, especially when, when parental guilt makes its appearance. They start questioning that they raised you wrong and all that shit. Like, no, you raised me right. You raised me to question bullshit. And I, you know, and yeah. quite honestly. Just not your bullshit. It, sorry. <laughs> I had a, sorry. I had a 10th grade science class. But think, I mean, and they sent, you to, they sent you to Catholic school so they can't say, what are they teaching you in that school? <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. But think about this. This is a really, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, especially in this sort of adversarial culture that we live in, especially like social media, stuff like that. But th- this is the thing. This is the, the track if you follow it. And I'm having a real hard time doing it. I'm trying to give birth to this empathetic fetus. And I don't want to. I want to abort that fucker. Toddzilla's right to choose kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but this is the path we have to walk at some point. And it, it ties into not only the, the electronic media, but it also ties into social media. Because put yourself in the place. I don't, I don't want to talk too much politics here. But put yourself in the, in, the, in, the, in the place of a Trump supporter, right? And he realizes something. And maybe he made a mistake in supporting him and voting for him. Where the hell is he going to go? Where the hell is he going to go that he's not going to be mocked? That he's going to be made to feel welcome as somebody who's changed his mind politically. He sure as hell isn't going to going to the far left. The people in the mm-hmm. middle have all checked out at this point. There's a couple of different things here. You were talking about where the media gets its impressions of what people want. The loudmouths are all on the extremes. Everybody else in the middle has shut the fuck up. Now, they're not going to get involved in this shit, especially online. They're just going to check out. I heard a good term for them a, a few months ago. The exhausted majority. Yeah, exactly. The frustrated majority, maybe. I don't know how you want to look at it, but the, the, the Trump voter who's decided that maybe he shouldn't have supported Trump, those people are silent. They're invisible. The only people over there that are visible, the only tribe to join if you decided to pick your tent up and move, would appear to be the fringe left. Fuck that. I'll just stay where the hell I am. Fuck those people. But at least these guys like me over here. I read an article a couple months ago. I wish I, I really wish I'd have saved it because then I could at least give you because I have to paraphrase. So I, I can't I can't give you verbatim quotes from it. But it was from a guy who had voted for Trump in 2016, and around the two you know year and a half to two years after the election. So this was like last year, it's about six months ago. Yeah, he wrote this article. He he started regretting his decision, and he was like, "Now where do I go?" Because all his friends who were you know hardcore Trumpians rejected him. And when he tried to, I guess, you know, cuddle up to the, the, the lunatic fringe on the left, they basically gave him a checklist of things that he has to agree with unquestioningly right? or else he, you know, he wasn't allowed in their little club. And he's like, look, I, some of these, I look, most of these things, yeah, fine, whatever. But some of these things I can't, I know I don't agree with. And they were like, well, then you're, you're, you haven't been cured. You're still you're still thinking the wrong way, you know. Yeah, and it's like you know, and then of course the people he said there was a few people from his you know his Trump supporting days who would go, you know, what, who put these ideas in your head? Who's been talking to you? Why are you thinking this way? And it's this, basically the same thing coming from both sides. And so he said, I am just in a ideological drift. I'm a man without a country. I have I have no place to call home in, in, in this, on this spectrum anymore, because I can't find anyone who's willing to, to step up and go, yeah, you know what? I, there's a lot of us. Welcome in. Come on in, brother. There's a whole lot of us. Yeah. Like when I'm around my family, I'm the crazy libtard. But when I'm around guys like Aaron and, and people like my wife, I'm Stalin. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're Hitler, yeah. Hitler. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes me Goebbels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I am. I haven't figured that out yet. Mangala, you're Mangala. <laughs> Say that shit. See if you're coming back to my little internet living room, you cunt. Well, you know, I, 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 I did, I did want to, I did want to say this because this is, I, I don't know if you two will get where I'm coming from. I feel at this point in my life and 
how I'm looking at things. I, I have hope for people as individuals that they can, you know, everything we've talked about for the last two hours, that, that maybe an individual can actually start to walk down that path and start opening doors that they would have just walked past before. But I don't have hope for us as a collective. This is going to bring us right back to the uh, propaganda stuff talking about on and off. And I, I, I actually am going to get back to this uh, real soon. But there is no, unless you're, you're capable of <laughs> telling fact from fiction, unless there's some mechanism to differentiate between truth and falsehood, you have no place to go. There is no camp that, uh, I, should, I should rephrase that, if you can't tell, then you have to pick one or the other. Anybody who is trying to uh, figure that out is going to feel adrift and going to feel lost. Because it is. It's, it's come down to we're not quite there yet with the, the atrocities and everything, but the extremism is turning into a choice between Hitler and Stalin. Choose. You're in Czechoslovakia. Or where you want to live, Nazi Germany or Stalinist Russia? Uh, Denmark? Florida. <laughs> yeah. What are you supposed to do if those are your only choices? I hear Sweden's nice this time of year. Good luck getting through Germany to Sweden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what if Sweden, I know. What right? if Germany's invaded Sweden? <laughs> the only the only German I know is uh, Shane and Scheiße. So I can say thank you for shit, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to get me through the country. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think you say Danke Scheiße. Thank you, shit. You just called somebody a name. Probably got punched. But yeah, I mean, where what are you supposed to do? I know, I, I know there's that frustrated silent, I hate the silent majority thing, but that frustrated majority in the middle that you never hear from because they've checked out. And all you hear from are the two extremes. Well, where is this mass of people supposed to go? And see, I think you, you touched upon it. Bill Maher used it in religious list. He, he used this quote towards religion. He said, people, you know, religious people preach the doctrine of I know for a fact. I preach the doctrine of I don't know. Right. And it's not necessarily towards religion, but I think there's power in I don't know. You're putting your ego on check, you know, on check and putting it aside and going, I, I don't have all the answers. It's okay to look and it's okay to say, I don't have all the answers. I'm going to go ahead and try to find them. I may never do so. People are so, I know I keep coming back, but people are just so scared of doing that. And I can't relate. I, I find it harder and harder to relate to those type of people. Well, I mean, what's, and, what's, what's better for somebody? You know, the, the, the dopamine addiction of seeming certain and right about things or the vulnerability and unself-assuredness uh, of saying, I don't know. You can't go online and show off and impress your friends with, I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that's not going to win you a whole lot of likes. Right. And it, nobody's going to follow you. I mean, it, it, when you're talking politically... Nobody's going to follow a guy who says, I don't know. That goes back to building a brand. And, you know, I asked you about this uh, the last time we talked off the air about, uh, you know, I started hearing about Jordan Peterson in 2016. And I started watching a lot of his, uh, his lectures and stuff. And this is lectures he gave in the late 2000s, early, you know, 2010s. And it was about, uh, you know, these were lectures about addiction, about, the hero's journey about, you know, Greek mythology. And I really liked a lot of what he had to say. And so I, you know, started digging and digging and digging. And then basically the conclusion you came to is the same conclusion I've come to. He's almost become a parody of himself. Right. Because I have to sell my book. I have to sell this. I have to, you know, I'm going to go on and, and, and donate to my Patreon and, you know, sign up for my channel and pay me to, to, you know, sit here and, tell you shit that I know you're going to agree with and he's never going to challenge what people who are paying him what they think because bad they won't pay him anymore. It's bad business. Yeah. If you're making a Q-tip, you better make a fucking Q-tip. If you go put sandpaper on the end of that little cardboard stick, people aren't going to buy your Q-tips anymore. You know, and, it, and it, it bothers me because I thought he was like a heretic, you know, like an ideological heretic that he was like, no, I don't hold to any one ideology or I don't lean towards one more than the other. I just take the world as it comes and I process it and I explain it the best I can. And then when I started seeing that he had become basically a shill for his own brand, I can't blame him. Hey, you know, I like to eat. Obviously, if you've ever met me, I like, I like, you know, when I turn on a light switch, the light to come on. So I like, you know, a roof over my head. But 
I thought he was trying to do something righteous and he just, he turned into a lot of the same old people, the same talking heads who were like, Hey, look, I have to play to my base if I want this money to keep rolling in. That's the IDW and, thing. It's the same thing that I, you know, I concluded about the rest of the IDW. Outside of one you know, guy, I, I need to be fair here. Bo Weingard, he's the one guy I kept in uh, my Twitter feed. I don't know if he's if he's considered IDW or not, but he's one of the more introspective on a collective level. Like, are we mm-hmm. like this? Is this why we do these? You know what I mean? Instead of dictating left bad, left bad, uh, Trump kind of bad, left bad, left bad, uh, Trump left bad. You know what I mean? He's not really in the political social realm as much as the others. He's more of sort of seeing the species from atop the mountain. So he's the one guy I kept. The rest of them are gone. Exactly what you said. I got the same impression from almost every one of those guys. The the, the branding, the social media intellectual and political influencer thing. And by the way, send me money on Patreon. When I see people go down that road are claiming they're they're trying to walk the righteous path, I don't mean righteous in a way of God. I mean like to be true to, to, to facts and reason and logic. I just, I always think of the Patrice O'Neill quote. They can't, it, they can't break you if they didn't make you, you know, but he also knew that he goes, sometimes I go home and I just look at my ceiling fan and appreciate it because I know one day someone's going to try to take that fan from me. When you start getting into, you become indebted to people with your brand and stuff. It turns into some gangster shit. It's like the Godfather. Godfather, I need you to do me this favor. Okay, I'll do you this favor, but one day I'm going to come, come knocking and you can't turn me away. Yeah, it's You're like, going to have to do it, what I say. It's like that stupid game you play on Twitter with other podcasters. Follow me, I'll follow it, you. But nobody ever fucking listens to anything. You know, and if you don't follow them back, then they unfollow you or they if you don't start sharing their podcast even though you haven't listened to it, they stop sharing your. It's just a stupid fucking game that people play. Help me market this. Help me brand this. Help me do this, and then I'll help you do this. But nobody's <laughs> listening to anything and really thinking about what it is they're spreading. It's just branding, branding for the sake of branding. Oh, Rich, you could say we we kind of went through something similar when we were in bands. How many people's shit did you actually listen to? Oh yeah, I'll check this out. Yeah, I, yeah. But to be fair, and just the same, and believe me, I, there's people out there who listen to Unregimented and go, these guys fucking suck. Okay, great, wonderful. I'm not for everybody. We're not for everybody. I get that. There, but there was a lot of bands that just sucked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What yeah, was that but, one in Kalamazoo, but, Chris? <laughs> which one? That one? Yeah, I was about to say. No, no, no. That one that uh, they, they kept got pissed off because I wouldn't put them next to Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Oh, it was it? <laughs> that might have been it. Well, I mean, but the one thing I always did is if whether or not they came up to me, and usually I found this, this is usually how it worked in my experience at least, if I would go, you know, play a show and there's four bands on the bill, I was one of those guys that I would at least try to stay until the last band finished playing unless something absolutely came up. And if, and if it did, I would go to the guys and I go, look, man, I'm sorry. Usually I stay until the last band plays, but we got something that we got to do or, you know, something like that. I'm very sorry. Hope you have a good show. You know, best of luck, whatever. Just try to be polite. But if I saw a band I really liked, they weren't coming up pushing themselves on me. Like they weren't coming up like, so what'd you think? You know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't trying to like, uh, uh, compliment, you know, get, bribe me into giving them compliments. You guys rock. What did you think of us? Like, Oh God, you know, like yeah. if I liked you, I'll come up and tell you. And when I found bands like that, I, I'd pump them up. I'd talk about them. You know, if we did a radio spot or, if, you know, Hey, some band dropped out. Do you guys have someone that can fill in last minute? Well, this other band's really good. Let me call them. Let me get hold of them, get them on the bill. And it was genuine. The problem is, is that there's not a whole lot of genuine people out there. And I'm st- doing a podcast, no offense to anybody who does a podcast, but I'm going to tell you something. To be good at it, you have to put in the work and the hours. But to just put one up, almost anybody can fucking do it if you can work a, a smartphone. I'll say it. Most of you. Oh, well, I had a, I literally had a guy that came up to me and said, oh, you do a podcast? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, what's the situation? I explained, you know, there's a network. Chris runs the network, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, well, I do a podcast. And I was like, oh, really? So you got, you know, anything I can listen to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to, the, go to this website. And it was like a homemade website. And I'm not joking. It's literally what you just said. He put like 
just a recorder down in the middle of a table and him and his friends sitting there talking. There was no edits. There was no theme, for, you know, for, for each show. And it was just like, dude, it's not a podcast. That's you recording a bullshit session. I mean, and that's fine. If there's people obviously that want to listen to it because whatever, but I can't go to Chris and present this and be like, First of all, you can barely hear what's being said from the background. Turn the TV off first. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, I'd hand that to Aaron to edit, and Aaron would pull his hair out. (laughs) He'd be like, what the fuck are they listening to in the background? And they had the TV on, man. What do you want me to say? Yeah, that was, I started this in 2014, and I I still think that, that podcast didn't last very long, just like last year's didn't. And I think that was the thing that got me was uh, I have this rant that I put up. I don't know if I sent it to you guys. I have it up on YouTube. I decided to record a show on my phone, like a video thing, like a video companion. I was going to try to do something on YouTube. And I set it down, and I started doing my thing, and I just tore into podcasters. <laughs> just like me just just tearing into 90% of everything that I'd heard. It's like, I am ashamed to be associated with you. I'm ashamed Coming from where I've come from, knowing what I know, I am fucking ashamed to say the word podcaster because of you incompetent shits who don't know what the fuck you're doing, have no sense of quality control, no sense that you're putting something out publicly, no sense of pride. You just It's like going down to the fucking bar and holding a, a voice recorder over your shoulder and listen to a couple of drunk fucks at 3 o'clock in the Chicago 4 a.m. bar. And I have this. It's like, I think that's what ended the original podcast was I just like, I feel like I'm on a college radio station here. I don't want to be associated with these people. You guys, of course, the exception. <laughs> I, I would like to think we've improved at least a, oh, a centimeter or two in the five years we've been doing this yeah. shit. Because if we haven't, what the fuck are we doing? Even yeah. then, it was listening to your show before I even started my own podcast. That was like, yeah, I can do this. Cool. But it's like, wait a minute. That was a fucking unicorn. That wasn't standard. (laughs) This is like high-end cream rising to the top shit compared to the rest of these fuckers. Well, I will will say this. This is podcasting for three, maybe. Sorry if it is. You can edit it out. But I have quite a few people over the years come to me and go, oh, you do a podcast? Oh, I'd love to be on it. And I'm like, oh. Okay, and if, you know, they seem to have a couple brain cells that aren't on life support to rub together, I'll keep them in mind. And sometimes, you know, Chris can't do the show or Aaron can't do the show. And I've made a few calls. Boy, when it's time to shit or get off the pot, oh, uh, no, I can't. I Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh. Is it your brother the main offender? Yeah, yeah. Well, his, his thing is, I, I, what if I get on there and say something stupid? I'm like, you say stupid shit all day long and you still survive. Just whatever. I'd ask him, has he heard our show? <laughs> say stupid shit all the time. <laughs> but do not, for the love of Christ, if you're talking about the the socialist communist guy, is that your brother? That brother guy? Uh, yeah, I don't know as of this week, but a couple weeks ago, yeah. Okay, he, do he, not. He's, he's evolving at the at, at speed of light. It seems like that's good. But for the love of Christ, if he's still there, do not put him on the same show with Aaron Mao, please. For the love <laughs> of God, that's too much. <laughs> oh God! Oh, the smug cloud would just reach Western Michigan in like seconds. <laughs> I would have to. I would have to probably launch a counteroffensive at that point because you're coming in and you, yeah, the smug cloud is polluting my air. Something's coming back. Maybe a scud. Oh, be, like that, be like that South Park episode, just huffing their own farts. Yes, loving I, it. Oh God, I got to get that drop. I have got to get that drop. I think of that episode all the time when I. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do one. You got you got time for one more segment? For sure. Yeah, I guess. I'm you got a date, cigarettes. Got a, what the fuck is wrong with you? I Every time I talk to you, that. you know you're doing a podcast. No, honestly, I I fucked up. I thought we were doing it Thursday. I got my I got my days that start with T mixed up. I'm sorry. Dude, my ex-wife and her new husband have been staying with us for the last 3 days cuz they're in town. Wait, your ex-wife and, and now, her husband? Yeah. They're not fucking in your house, are they? I don't want to know. Are you, so you haven't heard it? No. She sleeps in the living room. He sleeps in the spare bedroom. So maybe that's a commentary. And See, that's just yeah. me, though. Because, you know, if I'm, at, if I'm at somebody's house, like my wife's ex-husband's house, 
I'm fucking her in there, and everybody in that house is going to know it. <laughs> Bitch, get loud. Get loud. <laughs> you start bang, banging her head off the wall. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's not, it'll be my fist, but it'll sound like her head. Like, oh, 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 oh. Well, no, they, they left to go to some festival that they're on the west side of the state, Lakes of Fire or something like that, this morning. And I, usually I, you know, get up around like two go to bed around six i went to bed around six i got woke up at like nine i was up till about one and i took a nap and thank god chris texted me and said so we're still on tonight with todd right and i'm like oh shit that's tonight i better set an alarm <laughs> I, I tell you i i do a classy show here at the escaping the cave podcast and and i i, I feel really bad about where you've taken this all of a sudden what? i i've oh, been trying oh, to keep oh, this okay, real so- classy so I'm, I'm the one dragging this down. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's hit pause. I'm going to go uh, hit the head. We'll come back for one more, okay? All right. Escapingthecave.com. Also on the ChristopherMedia.net network, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and at ETC Pod on Twitter. That feels excessive, doesn't it? <laughs>